There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. My guest today is the writer Stuart Heritage. Stuart is a dad of two small boys and when his firstborn was merely a few hours old, he started writing a column about fatherhood for The Guardian. Since then, he's written for the Esquire, The Times and countless other publications. He's now about to publish his first children's picture book, Jonathan the Magic Pony, which is an utterly lovely and funny story about a pretty rubbish magician pony. It's set to be a firm favourite in many kids' bookshelves, trust me. I chatted to Stuart about how fatherhood is portrayed, both by writers like him, but also in children's TV shows like Peppa Pig. We also talk about him being a hands-on dad, doing exactly 50% of the parenting with his wife, Robin. He tells me about the amazement and praise that he receives when he's spotted out with his sons, yet, surprise, surprise, Robin doesn't get the same comments. I really enjoyed chatting to Stuart, and if you haven't read them already, I urge you to Google all of his old parenting columns. Only once you've finished listening to this episode, of course. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Thanks for having me at last. Yes, well, yes, you're not happy because I had your wife on quite a few years ago, didn't years I? Years ago, yeah. And <laughs> years poor old ago. me <laughs> flung to the ditches at the side. Getting the raw end of the deal yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's lovely to have you. And we're recording this remotely. Last time when I interviewed Robin, your wife, I came down to your home. Mm. And um, I think you only had uh, your eldest son at that point. And yeah, Robin was pregnant. Wasn't she was she? pregnant. She was very heavily pregnant. That's right. Yeah. And I think he was at the Childminders and you were busy working from the shed at the bottom of your garden. Yeah. Um, and me and Robin sat and had a nice cup of tea on your sofa and had a bit of a natter. But we're doing this remotely. So I wondered if you could set the scene for us and tell us where you are and what you can see around you. I am in the aforementioned shed at the bottom <laughs> of my garden. It is, uh, we're recording this on, I think it's going to be the hottest day ever. Yeah. From what I, ever. Hotter than the sun. Hot, literally hotter than the surface of the sun. And I've, uh, to do this, I've had to turn off a fan and close my window. So I'm there. if you can imagine kind of a, a, a sheen of sweat <laughs> that's, that's only going to get bigger. 
To be fair, I think that you've just described everybody in the UK today, just that sheen of sweat, especially parents who are running around after oh, small yeah. children and bowing to their every demand and just getting hotter and hotter as they do it. We've only just figured out how to uh, connect a hose to fill a paddling pool because we couldn't find it for years. We couldn't find any sort of external hose. And we were just like, oh, why don't we just unplug the washing machine and just pipe water straight out into the paddling pool from the from there and that is going to save my life this afternoon oh, that's, that's yes. my that's my parenting shift is going to be this afternoon so i'm just going to fill a thing with water and let them i think that is absolutely that is the secret is arriving these days my only problem with those days though is that i invariably can't find the paddling pool and when i do find <laughs> it it's moldy and it's got a hole oh, in it yeah. and then i think oh right i'm going to quickly get one from argos or you know the supermarket, but of course everybody Everyone's else. Had the same idea, yeah. And it's like the empty shelf of doom, where it's yeah. like the paddling pools were here, not anymore. I always do the same every year when it gets to this sort of temperature. I think I'm going to buy an air conditioning unit for my office, and I don't do it until it's the hottest day of the year, and there's never any. Do you know what we should do? Set um, put a calendar reminder in for like the middle of November. Yeah. Which is like buy a paddling pool, buy air conditioning unit because they're probably all going to be on sale then, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I, I I don't know about you, but when I would just think that's ludicrous in November to be like, it's never going to be hot again. Yes. <laughs> that, that all the hot weather in the in the future of the planet has already happened. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to waste my money on an air conditioner. <laughs> We basically need to be buying jumpers now <laughs> and air conditioners in November. That's what all the uh, sensible people are doing. Um, so you're a journalist, aren't you? Yes. And you're usually the one asking the questions. So yes. I want to know, is it weird being interviewed? Yes. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's made me really um, appreciate inter- uh, the, the other end of the interview when I do interviews. Because uh, I normally I just think, oh, these people just want to talk about themselves. And they can't. But everything they say is potentially going to be on like their permanent record. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a sort of a weight of, of responsibility that I didn't really realise until I've, I've, I've only done like a handful of interviews. But it's, it's, I tend to talk very slowly. I'm not doing it now purposefully, but because I'm thinking of every word and it has to be exactly right. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I, I kind of, I just, it's my instinct here is to just ask you lots of questions. Yeah, I, I find yourself. that on the on the odd occasion that I've been interviewed, like on a podcast or something, I do find myself sl- slipping into interviewer mode sometimes. Like, <laughs> so what about you? What do you think? And I'm like, no, no, come on, come on. But also there's a pressure to kind of say interesting stuff. And like, you know, when you're asked a question, quite often you're put on the spot and you're thinking, I can't remember, you know, what what was the last thing I ate? And it's like, yeah. I, my mind's gone blank. And it, the, you're right, there is a demand to be sort of... Enter- I interviewed, like, uh, I won't say his name, but he's like a, a real hero of mine. Uh, and he's, he's a comedian, he's so funny. And uh, all my questions, he just was he was answering them so sort of earnestly and sensibly. I was like, no, no, no please just be funny. And it's he was he was tra- he was trying so hard to be a good interviewer. I just wanted him to muck around with me and, and make me laugh. And he, oh. yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think that can be really hard when you're being interviewed to kind of gauge what the tone is. Yeah, I, it, it can be, and especially on like junket days where you just have uh, you you just have three solid days of answering the same questions. I've seen I've done. Uh, I don't. I try not to do them anymore because I hate them so much. Because you only get like six minutes with the with the uh, interviewee. And they are so sick of just saying the same thing over and over again. So nobody gets anything out of it. 
Um, but I did one with Will Ferrell years and years ago, and he did like this drama. And so I was, I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you about drama and and your acting process, and it was good. And then I was watching something like it might have been Soccer AM, and a, just a man, his interview was dressed as an orange and was just screaming <laughs> things. And I was like, oh, I could have, I could have just done that. It's yeah. Will Ferrell. That's yeah. a wasted opportunity. It really was. But my only point of reference with those things is that scene. Is it Notting Hill where yeah. um, Julia <laughs> character is is doing the junket, and Hugh Grant goes in and says he's from Horse and Hound magazine? Like that's my only. <laughs> My only point of reference for those junket days. I've never ever been on one myself. Oh, so. they're they are so no like the everybody's stressed out because like we if if you get thirty seconds more, that's a huge comparatively that's a huge percentage extra. But it also pushes everyone else back. If everyone sort of if they do fifty interviews and everyone takes an extra thirty seconds, that just adds up. And so all the PR people are losing their minds with stress, <laughs> and all the all the uh, the film people. Are bored and I'm you know kind of just trying to get something out of yeah. them and like in it, invariably my first question is like so tell me about the film and they talk for three minutes and that leaves me with a minute to be oh. like oh oh and you, and you just got divorced <laughs> I think probably the, what the trick there is is you say so the film is about xyz and then you ask them a really interesting question that's, and you've, that's you've, you see you've, you've been in this game off. longer than I have yeah <laughs> brilliant come to me for any journalistic advice Stuart honestly <laughs> I'm here for you um so you've written about fatherhood for the Guardian for Esquire for loads of publications yeah um and I kind of feel like to many who've had kids in the past 10 years or so even though um your eldest is what is he six is he six? he's five five and a half five and a half officially so, five and a half so you've been writing about um fatherhood i guess since robin was pregnant for the first time yeah um yeah but to, to loads of us my my eldest is coming up for 10 but i still really kind of like see you as being the voice of dads oh well that's that's a lovely thing to hear well i was gonna oh. ask you how does that feel um I don't know. I've never thought of myself as the voice of dads before. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite nice, actually. It's what's lovely is I've um, I started. A, I had a column in the Guardian. Uh, I mean, it literally. I wrote a feature about my wife's birth while I was walking home from the hospital afterwards, um, and that turned into a column. So I've been doing it exactly for as long as I've been I've been a dad, and. Um, I've noticed all these all these people who had children around the same time as me uh, started following me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and uh, watching all their kids grow up as well. It's 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 really lovely. Like on um, the first day of school, I like my Instagram feed was just people who read my column, uh, taking pictures of their kids in their school uniform for the first time, and that's nice. It makes you feel like you're part of a bigger thing. Because, you know, it get, it gets a bit, especially in the early years, it gets a bit, it's hard and it can feel a bit lonely. So just to feel like you're connected to, to other people going through the same thing, it's a nice feeling. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's why it's so important that we have people like you doing what you do. Because, you know, it can feel, feel so isolating, especially, like you say, in those early years where it's yeah. per- perhaps you and a small child and you know, all you've got for company is Mr. Tumble on the telly. And <laughs> that's quite hard day in, day out. So to have somebody, you know, writing about the, that experience and shedding a bit of light and humour and insight into it, I think it makes a huge difference. Oh, that's good. That makes me feel... They remain, they're my favourite things I've ever written, the, the column. Uh, because, I mean, I've got 
I, I'm looking at it now. I put all of them in a box, in like a shoe box. Uh, so when when uh, my son's old enough that he can just go back and read what it was like. That's so nice. It's yeah, and it's good. And what I enjoyed about it most was it kind of and this I would have concentrated on my kids anyway, obviously. But there is sort of the sort of the the writer part of your brain is going. I've got to, I've got to fill a column. So what can we? What can I? What are you doing that I can yeah. <laughs> I can fill seven hundred words with? Uh, and it does. It makes you very present. Yes. Because uh, if if I had just uh, slung the telly on and just made them watch uh, YouTube or something for the whole time, which I do quite yeah. a lot now. Which, to be fair, uh, that's like a completely valid parenting yeah, yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah, but it would have made for a really boring column. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. Now I'm not writing regularly. I just let them, you know, whatever, play with knives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to good. bed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you had to describe, if you had to sum up your experience of fatherhood so far in one sentence, what would you say? Um, it has, and I mean, this is, it's trite to, to hear this, but it has changed my life so entirely in sort of every respect. It, I don't, um, uh, the, the sort of the weight of responsibility that you have for these things, it, like the closest I've ever come to it before, I guess, and this is going to sound weird now I've said it like this, but it's like romantic relationships where you've, you've, you've been with someone and you're like, oh my God, I love you. This is great. But then you're also like, but you're an adult, so go, you can go and do stuff. Uh, but with a kid, you're like, oh, I love you. This is great. Oh, but if I don't, if I don't feed you, you're going to die. Yes. So it's, it's like, it's so all consuming and it's, it's affected my work, not only in the stuff I've written, but just my attitude towards it. In my, we had our oldest when I was 34 I think or 35 and up until that point I'd just been so career focused um to to sort of the detriment of everything else but I like most of my ambition kind of within a month or two of of him being born just sort of vanished and and I just uh yeah my priorities just shift completely I'd rather like, I mean, I I like having a career, but I don't want to be the best at the top of every level like I used to be. If I could make enough money to kind of feed my family and have enough time to see my family as much as I can, that's I think that's the real goal yeah, now. Yeah. Do you think that becoming a dad has in any way made you a nicer person? <laughs> I'm not saying you were horrible before, but yeah. Uh, no, I, well, I'm I'm a bit. It's made me uh, quite ratty because <laughs> they they don't sleep. They don't sleep. Uh, my oldest was up at it was before five o'clock this oh, morning because just no. the sun was streaming in and he was like the sun's up and I was like that doesn't mean it's waking up time you try and go back to sleep and then he wouldn't and he's he's very he's sneaky like he'll come in he'll give you a kiss and he'll tell you how much he'll love you and you're like <laughs> oh that's nice and then I'm like so uh, the thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is straight without <laughs> even pausing a breath and I'll be like oh god and if like you know when you wake up and you're like it could, it could be very very early in the morning or it could be midday yeah. I, I I can't even he does that and he gets to you before you can adequately work out what time it is in the morning so you're sort of awake and ready to go. But in a way that that that's kind of a skill that really that's pretty impressive that he's got. Oh that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's master manipulator. There are so many things in parenting that you think right in this moment I just don't appreciate this, but actually I'm quite impressed that you thought. Oh yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> My uh, my youngest is two. He's just coming up for three. Uh, he'll be three, I think, 
Well, I, no, I know when it'll be three. <laughs> When's his he, birthday? <laughs> it's, on, it's in a week and a half. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's soon. I know when it is. I'm a good dad. <laughs> um, but he was doing a thing. He, he, especially under lockdown, they're winding each other up a little bit. Um, and he was he got loads of play-doh and he just smashed it up and he was throwing at his brother going who wants a slice of pizza and like i knew it was a naughty thing to do and i knew it was upsetting his brother a lot but it was so like so cheeky i i couldn't i couldn't properly (laughs) admonish him because i was like oh my god this is brilliant you're telling a joke you're being mean (laughs) in a funny way this is your life is set There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm taking a short pause on this episode to tell you about an incredibly exciting project that I've been working on. I've written a children's story with Hip Organic and it's part of a brilliant book called Where the Little Things Are. Each story in the book focuses on a different creature which plays an important role in maintaining nature's ecosystems and helping the fruit and veg grow that goes into hip organic baby and toddler food. My story is Spiky Mikey, all about a hedgehog who ventures out when it's dark to seek out slugs, snails and other pests which can damage plants and crops. My toddler twins have loved me reading the book to them. The absolutely genius thing about where the little things are is that the front and back covers of the book are embedded with seeds. They can be removed, planted in the garden and you can watch plants grow. Plants that have been chosen especially because they help to sustain the wildlife featured in the book. It's a really lovely way to teach your kids about nature and putting good stuff back into the earth as well as taking stuff out of it that you can eat. This is something that Hip Organic are passionate about. They're committed to sustainable farming, only taking from nature what they can put back in. I planted the seeds with the help of my nine-year-old and I found it a great way to kickstart conversations about sustainability and the environment. Although you might find your children teaching you a thing or two because research done by Hip Organic shows that more than half of parents think their children have a better understanding on how to protect the environment than they do. So if you'd like to be in with a chance of getting a copy of Where the Little Things Are, there are 700 books being given away. Just head to hip.co.uk before the 31st of August where you can enter to win a copy of the book. I'm so excited for you to meet Spiky Mikey and his pals.
Um, you seem like quite a hands-on dad. Do you get lots of comments from like passing old ladies saying, "Oh, you're so good"? Loads. Like when you're just doing basic parenting, doing stuff. nothing. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's... that Robin, your wife, just doesn't get the same. No, level she of doesn't. Praise. She doesn't. We uh, early on. I mean, it still happens. I was. I. Uh, I'm. I live quite near a beach. I'm taking the kids to the beach a lot uh, in the early morning before it fills up. Um, and I always see these two uh, old couple walking. They just walk up and down the, the beach together. It's lovely. But I think the old lady might be quite dotty because she sees me like maybe two or three times a week. And every time she sees me, it's like it's the first time she's met me. Um, and she always says, what a good dad I am. And one time I was literally, <laughs> I, was, I was playing Candy Crush on my phone. And the kids were just trying to suffocate each other in the sand. And I was like, no, no I am a good dad. You're right. Thank you. Um, but early on... Um, it happened. I was walking through the, uh, uh, just sort of down the high street with my oldest in a carrier. And I heard an old lady go, Oh, where's the mum? And Robin was literally, she was walking next to me. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, which I, I, I think it's hilarious. I don't, I think it's wrong that it happens that you get praised so much, but I also, I'm absolutely going to take all the praise because I'm needy. <laughs> if you're giving it i'm gonna take it you, as a society we shouldn't but it happens so i'm gonna i'll do it it's funny i was chatting to an expert the other day um about potty training and she kept saying mum like so when potty training what mums all often find is oh. and i really wanted to say to her but what about dads for potty training but i feel like it's so ingrained in so many of us to assume it is, that yeah. mums do all the hard work when it comes to the, the kids and i'm i'm quite sensitive to that because i do well, we we uh, in terms of childcare, me and my wife, we split the day exactly in half. So we each work for exactly the same amount of time. We each look after the children for exactly the same time, mm-hmm. same amount of time. And so I'm always uh, when something's just sort of pitched to mums, I'm always like, "But I do that too. That's not come on." Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it, I think it's definitely changing, but it's changing slowly. I am the uh, I'm sort of the designated school WhatsApp guy uh, here. So I'm. It's it's me, and I'm the only dad on it. And like, I'm not. I, I don't like WhatsApp groups very much because it's just like your phone is constantly just going, brruh, 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 and it's sort of you know things that people could Google anyway. Can I give you a tip on that? Oh yeah. Turn WhatsApp notifications off. Just turn them off. Oh, can you do that? Just yes. Switch them off completely. Switch them off. So basically, I only know that someone has sent me a WhatsApp message if I go into WhatsApp, and then oh, they're, they're wow. all there. And obviously, I go in, and there's like 300 messages waiting for me. But then I can choose whether to, whether to read them or not. But I feel like that is kind of that's every, basic stuff. I should know that. Everyone I? needs <laughs> to turn off their WhatsApp notifications. Ah, oh, because it's just like I, I like it because I don't. Especially, especially with all the lockdown going on, because I don't see the pe- the other parents very often. But they do all start all of their um, like conversations with, "Hey, ladies," and I'm like, "But I'm here too." <laughs> when they're sort of saying, "I'm going to put this dress on Facebook Marketplace," but I wanted to see if any of you wanted it. Uh, no. You know what you should do in that situation? Just reply with the um, aubergine emoji, like three aubergines oh, no. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Oh, no. Gentle reminder that you're there. I think, I think, I think that if I'd started doing that to twenty mums at once, I would be very quickly carted away. I think the police would be knocking at your door. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how do you feel about you know, like the portrayal of dads on things like Peppa Pig? How do you feel about that? Um, I think it's changing. I think it's it's becoming a bit more, um, a bit more sort of fairly 
uh, portrayed. Peppa Pig's quite an extreme example, and I haven't watched Peppa Pig for a while, so I don't know if it's changed. I don't know, to be honest. We're, we're, see, we watch it on Netflix, where it's the really early ones yeah, from like yeah, 12, 12 years ago, and Daddy Pig is portrayed quite badly as a bit of a buffoon. Yeah, he's he's lazy and he's he's clueless and he doesn't know how to, to look after his kids. Um, but I think it's changing. I think I, th- I'm, I can't... With all the CBB stuff, certainly is very fair-handed. Uh, they they don't have a clueless dad, I think, across the entire CBB's channel. Is that right? I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you might you might be right actually. I, if if there is, I can't think of it. I guess the only like there's a like waffle the dog, waffle the wonder dog, or waffle whatever doggy. it's called, waffle doggy. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the dad's a bit sort of dotty in there, but all the characters are. I don't think he's an especially sort of negligent yeah. dad. Yeah, that's interesting. No, but I mean, if it is changing, then that's good because it does feel whenever I watch Peppa Pig and you know there's Daddy Pig kind of making some awful mistake, it is like, oh come on, you know that's not really what you know dads are about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've written and contributed to books in the past, but you've actually written a children's book. Now. Yeah. What made you decide to make the move into writing a kids' book? Well. Um, I've sort of there. Are, there are two two parts of the answer. The first one is years and years and years ago, literally. I think within the first few months of me meeting Robin, I used to do this thing, and I still do it because I think at heart I am a very obnoxious person, where I would just try and um, say something awful to make her laugh. And we were in a in a bookshop, and we walked past the kids, and I was like, "Oh, I could do that. That's easy." Uh, uh, I'll write a book called uh, Jonathan the Magic Pony and they were just the first words I could think of because they sounded like the stupidest combination of words I could think of and it, re- it really made Robin laugh and every now and again whenever I've complained about work she's gone why don't you write Jonathan the Magic Pony why don't you do that and uh, I didn't pay any attention to her for years and years and then um, when uh, my son was born and we I read to him, you know, every night or every whenever I'm doing bedtimes, half of the nights of the week. Um, I very quickly decided, I very quickly learned the things he liked in a book and the things he didn't like in a book. Um, and just in terms of like vocabulary and um, repetition and stuff and the surprises that made him laugh. And I this. It, I, I just I got a good feeling for the the books that he liked and the books he didn't. So I thought, what if I could try and pack in all the stuff that he specifically likes mm. into a story? Um, and yeah, so I, I I told him it, and I figured the Jonathan thing because it was the front of my mind. Um, and I figured out what made him laugh and what made his sort of eyes glaze over. Um, very sort of. Uh, unwitting manipulation audience um, research, kind of. Now I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I went through drafts and drafts and drafts of this book, and it's very simple. It's about like a stupid pony who who isn't a very good magician. Uh, But just, I went over and over and over again and honed it until every single, almost every single word he reacted positively to. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's a way of me, a way for me to write about him in a way but without writing about him. I'm writing for him. I love that you've basically taken a private joke and turned it into a book that is specifically aimed at making your child happy. So that's just like the nicest, the nicest kind of inspiration I've heard for writing a book. It's nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's, and it's been fun as well. It's, uh, I mean, he is sick of it now. 
He's completely <laughs> sick of that book. He's had, I wrote it. It's been a, like for a book that's 500 words long. It's been two years, I think. Wow. Two and a half years. And, and it's, it's only just coming out this month. And the illustrations are lovely. How oh, did you... Aren't they beautiful? Where did you even start kind of choosing an illustrator? Was it somebody that you knew already? Or did you get given like a catalogue of people or... I, um, apparently this is this is how publishers do it. I had no idea. I had no... When I look at the first draft of it, it is such a mess. I didn't know... the. I didn't know children's books are pr- uh, primarily 32 pages long. Oh, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, just, just it's it's, a, it's an economic thing. It's, it's two, two sort of pieces of eight papers oh. eight. so yeah so it's so they're all like a standard uh page format which i didn't know so i had to squash it in um and the publisher likes to especially with new writers uh, uh set you up with um uh uh illustrators and i really the sort of how collaborative kids books are compared to adult books is yeah fantastic it must have it must have been quite exciting to almost like see the characters come to life because you know, until that point, they were just words. And you probably yeah. had a bit of an idea in your head what they might look like. But then to see it come back, fully illustrated, must have been really exciting. Oh, it's it's so it's it's so exciting. And there is, like, I think I might be, in, for most parts of my life, a bit of a control freak. And I like everything done the way I like it to be done. Um, but with this, there was a sort of an element of having to just completely give it to Nicola and be like you can do anything you want because you're the, I've, this is my first book and she's written t- she's drawn illustrated tons and tons and tons of stuff so she's the expert so whatever like, however it comes back I I'm going to sort of give her free reign on it all I know uh, there's a one raccoon in it and she hates drawing raccoons that's all I know <laughs> so if we do more books no raccoons so would you like to do more is that is that the plan that that you'd like yeah. to yeah I um well there's in next month it's Puffin's 80th anniversary uh or it was in May and they had a book that isn't that got pushed back because of the outbreak yes. um and it's it's an anthology of uh lots of writers um who've all written uh s- new stories for the books and I'm in it and like everyone not new writers, all of them. There's like Roald Dahl has they've dredged up something from Roald Dahl and Dick King Smith and just every possible author that you've ever liked as a kid is in this book. It's crazy. It's called the Puffin Book of Big Dreams, um, and I wrote a story for that uh, about. It's basically about my kids, but I've turned them into dogs for it, so they don't <laughs> grow up and sue me. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, that's going to they, that, that's being turned into a picture book as well so that's wow. there's gonna there's gonna be more and with Nicola illustrating them as well so I'm very happy that's really really cool um and nurturing creativity in your kids is something that's important to you isn't it um yeah how do you do that with your sons it's I kind of they, they're both enormous chatterboxes to the point that I think <laughs> I think possibly our marriage is falling apart because we never speak to each other. We get like half an hour at the end of the day where we just tell every each other what happened because the rest of the time it's just our kids telling us stuff, um, and which is annoying in the moment. But it's really uh, just allowing them space to just rabbit on about whatever they want mm. is uh, yeah. It's it's very creative my I think my my oldest is at a point where he doesn't he loves telling stories and he loves drawing 
And he said, this is a lovely thing, he says he wants to be a book writer when he's older. Aww. But then he also told me he wants to be a beatboxer as well. So, <laughs> he could do I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no money in either of those two things. So he's, he's going to be living at home till he's 40. Um, <laughs> uh, but he, um, he, he's always telling stories and he's liked, he likes to tell his own bedtime stories now. Which, uh, firstly, he's got no original characters, which is going to be a rights issue. They're all about Mario <laughs> and Sonic and the Avengers. Uh, and he he works himself up into such a state when he's telling them that he'll like get up and he'll like run around the bed and be like, and then a tornado comes, and then Sonic's like, Pah! and he's he's the good stories. They all end in like the world breaking in half, which is slightly dark. <laughs> but he um, <laughs> he yeah he I I'm very aware. That I, I, I shouldn't shut him up when he's in the middle of that sort of thing. I should let him go and, uh, yeah, tell, tell his story as, as much as he can. That's amazing, though. And I think that that's such a common thing to do for kids, to latch on to the characters that they know already and you know, turn them into stories. I remember when I was about 11 or 12, there was um, a book series for teens called Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley oh, Twins yeah. and it was huge and I was really into it and I started writing my own Sweet Valley High book and I probably only got two chapters into it and I was there on like my word processor because it was like the 90s <laughs> um, and yeah but I just feel like that's something that should absolutely be encouraged in young kids and yeah. you know like just making up a story about Sonic or about Mario or whatever it's lovely isn't it? It's really, yeah, it's really, and that's how it starts. I mean, look, you, that your Sweet Valley High fan fiction thing turned out very well. Well, that's you been, know, I might go back to it. I might, uh, you I publish might... it online. That's how, that's how they made Fifty Shades of Grey, wasn't it? That was yes. a Twilight fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> so just go back, make it very, very dirty. And then you've got a, you've got a blockbuster on your hands. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll need to dig out that old word processor from somewhere, from the loft. Oh, from... God. Was it one of those ones that had... A little tiny rectangular screen. Yes, it did. And it was kind of a black screen with green writing on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I had one of those at university when all my friends had PCs and I, I was just impossible to write with. Yeah, totally impossible. Oh. But better than a typewriter, which a few years earlier would have been the only option. So. Yeah. Um, lastly, Stuart, where can people find you online if they want to um, hear more from you about fatherhood and life and everything else that goes with it? Oh, uh, I guess uh, Twitter and Instagram are the best for that because I tend to link, needily link to everything <laughs> I, ever, I ever write. Uh, yeah, it's Stu Heritage on both. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today. You are now officially allowed to open the windows in your shed and oh. let the air back in and breathe a sigh of relief. I'm going to open my window and wring out my T-shirt <laughs> and then put it back on. What a nice image you're leaving everyone with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. It's been so great to have you on. Thank you so much. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.